0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. We're going to practice the rule of life, where we spend a moment to quiet our hearts and allow to. Let the presence of God take over all our anxieties and toxicities. So if you can bow your heads with me. In a moment, just exhale, let's exhale. Just let all the automatic anxieties, anything weighing deeply on your heart and mind and laid before the feet of the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit come and inhale the presence of God and His promise that when we supplicate our anxieties, His peace will give us a transcending peace. The Season of Hope by Tish Warren. We know that Christ has come and yet. The season of Advent calls us out of our time-bound moment to remember and perform the whole drama of Scripture. Through the liturgy, we don't merely retell the story of the gospel. We become immersed in it. No one is simply a spectator watching a play The distinction between actors and audience is broken and everyone becomes a character in the story. In the same way, in Advent, we join the people of Israel waiting for the coming Messiah. We reenact the yearning for an anticipation of the coming King. Though we know the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus' first coming, we immersively enter into the confusion, longing, frustration, and sense of dreams deferred that the people of Israel felt year after year, generation after generation. We prepare for the joy of Christmas by waiting on the dark streets of Bethlehem, our eyes straining to the glimpse of the dawn of the everlasting light. All God's people pray, amen. You can be seated and our brother Stu still will come part of our preaching team and give us today's word.
1: Okay, so as we've been saying, today is the first Sunday of Advent. Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. Fun for all the children call their favorite time of year. I'm not very good at singing, but if you guys have good taste in Christmas movies, you may recognize that as some of the lyrics from one of the best Christmas movies of all time, if we could put that picture up there. If you have not seen this movie, I am going to do what Dr. Sammy says, and I'm gonna call you a sinner and say that you need Jesus, you need to see this movie because it is incredible. It is a classic that everyone should see. And the legend is that when they first showed this movie to all of the cast and the crew that worked on it, they were absolutely terrified. They thought they had totally blown it, they had missed the mark that this was going to be a bomb for all ages. And one gentleman, uh, an animator by the name of Ed Levitt, stood up and said, this is the best special I will ever make. This show is going to run for 100 years. And this premiered long before most of us, probably any of us, were born in 1965, and it is still being shown every year. It is a classic, because it speaks to kind of a deep question that we all have around this time of year. Throughout the movie, poor Charlie Brown is stuck trying to figure out what is the true meaning of Christmas. And while everyone is preoccupied with Christmas plays and decoration contests and buying and giving presents and all of that, it's not until the very end when his best friend Linus comes out and reads from Luke's Gospel about the announcement of Jesus' birth by the angels to uh, the shepherds over Bethlehem that Charlie Brown understands that Christmas is about Christ's coming. It's about the hope and the joy and the change that in the world that he brings. And all of the other stuff is just background noise. And so this is why every year we do this series at Advent. When we get into the Christmas season, when there's so much going on, we enter Advent with this series specifically to prepare for Christ's birth at Christmas. We talk about the thing that Christ brings us in his birth, in his entry into the world. We have them right up here. We have hope, we have peace, we have joy, and we have love. And today, I get to talk about hope. Now, hope can mean a number of different things. Let's put these definitions up there. It can mean to wish for a particular event that one considers possible, to have confidence or trust in that possibility, to desire or consider something to be possible. It can mean the longing or the desire for something accompanied by the belief in the possibility of its occurrence. And we all understand this. We all have things that we hope for, uh, things that um, none of us have at the moment, because like Paul says, no one hopes for that which they already have, but we hope for the things that we think we can reasonably attain or expect. We say things like, I hope for a good week at work. I hope to get a raise in the next year. I hope." for you know, one thing or another. And these are things that we have an expectation for, things that we think we can actually obtain. Otherwise, it's just a wish. We may all say, I hope I win the lottery, but in reality, we're just saying, I wish I win the lottery because we have no expectation that we're actually gonna win the lottery. But for all of us today, especially in the context of Advent, the most appropriate definition is the last one, or not the last one. I keep saying it's the last one, it's not the last one. The theological virtue defined as the desire and search for a future good, difficult but not impossible to attain with God's help. There's a more definite, a more concrete or assured aspect to hope in this definition because it's not something that's left to chance and it's not even something that's left to us to attain for ourselves. Difficult but not impossible to attain with God's In this, the onus is on God to make it happen. We simply hold on to that hope and let God take the lead, let him do the heavy lifting. And of course, sometimes there are things that seem a little too much to hope for in life. things that we don't dare hope for because they seem more like a wish. They seem too grand, even for God sometimes, to make possible. Maybe things like moving on from pain and trauma in our lives, maybe fulfillment of hopes and dreams that we've had for years, but always just seem a little bit out of reach, a little bit too big for us to make happen on our own. And maybe there are things that we want God to make happen, but we even fall short in our faith to think that maybe God can't even make it happen, or it's not important enough, especially if they're smaller things, things that are personal to us. Sure, God could probably make this change in my life, but he's busy with bigger things in the world. He's not concerned with my little struggle. He's not concerned with my little pain. But with Christ's entrance into the world, he smashes the idea that some things are too much to hope for because he is the one that will deliver them. And straight from the very announcement of his birth, we see that he is the one who will bring hope into the world and not just in great world shaping ways, but in personal unique ways to us individually that is the good news of the gospel and that's what we're going to talk about today and just like linus we're going to go to luke's gospel we're going to go a little bit before he was talking about we're going to go to luke chapter one and we're not even going to go to the announcement of jesus's birth we're going to go to the announcement of his conception so if we could go to scripture here today now we read this passage together and this is the angel gabriel announcing god's plan to Mary, for her to bear Jesus into the world. And what he's saying isn't just, hey, congratulations, you're expecting now. It's something much more grand, it's something much bigger. And we see it starting in verse 30 as we look together. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. It's a big thing that Gabriel is making of this, the birth of Jesus, the birth of the Savior of the world. And it's a hope that... God has put into the people Israel for a long time. It's a definite assurance to it because as we see in verse 37, he says, for no word from God will ever fail. But why is this a message of hope? Why is this such a big deal? Why am I making such a big deal about this? Well, we gotta remember that context is key about everything. Who are the Israelite people at this time in this gospel? They're a conquered people. They have a history of being a strong and united nation. When you go back to look at King Saul and King David and King Solomon, but that was a long time ago at this point. Since those kings uh, ruled a united Israel, the kingdom of Israel split into the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. And both of those kingdoms fell under captivity to external forces and external countries. The people of Judah were marched out of their home and into Babylon captivity for decades. And even after they returned from the exile in Babylon, they had their high priests rule them for a time, only to be conquered again. And at this point, they are conquered by the Roman Empire. They are not a country that has their own autonomy. They do not have their own freedom. They are ruled under the boot of the Roman Empire and any chance that they've tried to take to make themselves a strong nation again by their own power has completely failed. So from a Jewish, a Jewish audience for Mary who is a Jewish citizen a Jewish person to hear this there is a hope that is being addressed a hope that the Messiah the one that has been promised by God will rule Israel once again. We'll take them out of captivity. We'll make them a strong nation again. And we do see that the angel says that Jesus will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. He will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. This is a hope that the Israelite people have had for a long time to be free from oppression and persecution in their own land. Now, of course, From our standpoint in history, and from our standpoint knowing the rest of the gospel, we understand that what God had planned for Jesus was not what the Israelites had planned for themselves. Yes, Jesus would bring freedom. Yes, Jesus would bring salvation to not only the Israelites, but the entire world. It was not a political kingdom that God was going to restore, but he was going to establish his kingdom of the church that we are all part of here today, that has been going on for 2,000 years, right? So this is the fulfillment of a promise, a fulfillment of a hope, not in the way the Israelites expected it, but it's actually something so much better, so much grander. And again, this is something that we can all take part in today, and it all starts with the hope that comes from Christ's birth at Christmas. Where was I in this? I'm sorry, I went a little off script, and now I'm losing myself. So anyway, yes, this was something that, that the Israelites thought was way out of the realm of possibility, and this was only a hope that God could fulfill. This was not something that they could do on their own, but it was something that God had to step into the world to make happen. Now, for all of us here today, we may not be able to understand exactly how the Israelites felt. We are obviously in a very different situation than the Israelites were at that time. But we all know that this is a world that has its issues. This is a world that we have a lot of hopes for change to happen. We go out and we look and we do see that there is injustice in the world. There is inequality. There is poverty. There are people beset by evil people every single day. There are problems in this world. We hear stories about the war in Ukraine. We hear about the war in the Middle East. Maybe you guys haven't even heard, but they're getting ready for a war in South America between um, Guyana and Venezuela. This is a world that is beset with problems and things that we can say, oh, man, I really hope that God does something good about it. So in a way, we actually can understand that hope. And we look and say, is there a possibility? Is there a hope that maybe one day This kind of stuff will change. In 1914, the world was hoping for a change as well. World War I had engulfed much of Europe. Armies were engaged in grueling trench warfare. If you've ever seen Wonder Woman, you kind of get a little bit of a taste of what trench warfare was, and it was awful. But something strange happened on Christmas of 1914. Uh, Let's put this picture up this is a painting but this is a representation of what actually happened on the front lines in christmas of 1914. in multiple places throughout the front lines german soldiers and british soldiers and french soldiers and belgian soldiers all started calling truces with each other completely out of nowhere not led by their generals not led by their politicians but just the people on the front line one day they start hearing Christmas carols being sung. And one side is singing it, and the other side joins in. And the next thing you know, they're shouting Christmas greetings to each other. And then it culminates on Christmas Day with these soldiers getting up out of their trenches and walking into no man's land. And it's called no man's land because as soon as you set foot on there, that's it, you were done. But they got up, walked into no man's land, and they fellowshiped with each other. Soldiers from one side against another, trading stories, trading souvenirs, I'll swap you some candy for some tobacco. There's stories of even them giving haircuts to each other and maybe even a soccer game breaking out in the middle of a war on Christmas day. Now, I don't have a convenient soundbite or a perfect historical quote to say that these soldiers did this because of the hope that comes in Christ for a better world. But I don't believe, really, in coincidences. And I don't find it a coincidence that all this happened at Christmas time. Not some random otherly selected day, certainly not because of their superiors that decided, oh, you guys need a break from fighting every day. It was just simply Christmas Day, and this happened. And I think there's an intrinsic hope that comes natural to us at Christmas. I mean, you don't even need to ask someone that's a believer in Christ turn on Hallmark how many of those movies are just dripping with hope. And most of them don't even mention anything about Jesus, but there is something intrinsic about the hope that comes at Christmas time. And for me, I think that is the overflow of the hope that Christ brings in his birth, that we all just somehow innately understand at this time of year. It's that promise of what his presence on earth meant to the people of Israel then and means to all of us today that there is a hope for a change in the world that only God could bring. And again, the beauty of knowing Christ in Christmas is that we know the one who made that hope possible, the one who is bringing that hope. It is not a nebulous possibility. It is not something to wish for, but it is something to hope difficult but possible to attain through God's So this is my first point today, what we can see about the hope Jesus brings in Christmas. Jesus' birth gives us hope for change in our world. Jesus' birth at Christmas gives us hope that change is possible in the world. His birth is proof of that. His willingness to step into the world in order to make that hope possible is proof of that. And when we look at the effect that his birth and his life, his death, crucifixion, resurrection has had, on this world for the past 2000 years it all starts because he was born there in bethlehem and the results that you see not only in believers not even not only in those who believe in Christ but from the work that those who do believe in Christ have done in the rest of the world over the last 2000 years it may not be perfect but definitely better than it would have been had Christ not been born in bethlehem So my question for you guys is, where are you looking for God to bring hope in the world? Where are the places where you might actually feel some hopelessness in this season, in in the state of the world? I pray that this would be a season where you can lift your eyes up to God and say, God, give me that hope that you can change the world in this season. Let me see that in the coming year. And if you're running short on that hope, I hope that this Christmas, God would fill you with that hope. But it's not just in the great and grand things. It's not just in the world-shaking things that Christ came to give us hope. It's also in the more personal areas. It's also in the more intimate areas, the places that may not shake entire continents, but will shake our world and build us up and restore us. So let's go to our next section of Scripture. Now, in the first chapter of Luke, we get an introduction Not only to the announcement of Jesus' birth, but at the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. Jesus' mother, Mary, had a sister named Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist. John and Jesus were cousins, so this is a whole big family affair, right? And what is the first thing you do when you find out that you're expecting? You tell somebody. You tell your family. You let them know. You share the good news with them especially if you've had an angel come to visit you and say, yes, you're going to be expecting and your sister is going to be expecting. You go and you visit and say, "Hmm, so this is a thing, right? I'm not crazy, right? So anyway, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And according to Luke's gospel, they have quite an interesting conversation where Elizabeth praises her sister and Mary rejoices in what's happening to her. And this is what they say when Mary visited Elizabeth. In a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. So this is a big thing. This is a big celebration between the two of them. But again, we gotta think about this for a second. We have to think about a little bit of context here for a second. Mary and Elizabeth know what's going on. They know that these are miraculous births that God has made happen. And Elizabeth is married to a temple priest. so when it's a, it's a long story between Elizabeth and Zechariah. I recommend reading it. I recommend everybody get a little you know, basis in, in the Christmas story. Luke is a great place to start. But anyway, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they're in, they're in a good spot because they know this baby is coming. But what about Mary? Because we see she is betrothed to someone. She is engaged to someone. She is not married to someone yet and in an honor and shame culture, as the ancient Near East was, this is a problem. And in fact, we look in other Gospels where it talks about Joseph's uh, reaction to this when he finds out that Mary is expecting. He is intent on divorcing her quietly and saving her from the shame that comes from this. But the angel speaks to him and says, no, you are to stay with her. You are to stay in this family. So he acts in a, in a very respectful manner to this, in a very important manner to this. But for everyone else looking at Mary, what are they saying? What are they saying? What are they gossiping about? What are they whispering about? Oh, that's Mary from Nazareth, the one who got pregnant before she was even married. She's not going to be very well respected. She's going to be very much looked down upon. And yet this is a little bit of a contrast from what Mary says here, because she has a hope that God will redeem her story, that for her faithfulness in taking part in God's plan, even though it will be difficult for her, even though she will have a reputation, even though Jesus will have a reputation as a, a, a son without a actual father, she knows, she has hope that God will redeem that story. And the story that people whisper and tell about her in that time will not be the final story of her life. She has hope that God will redeem it to something much better. And that is the hope that Christ gives in Christmas, in his birth, that he will work in our individual story and his presence in our life will redeem those places of brokenness and those places of hurt and trauma and that he will, Can grant that hope that we have that tomorrow or whenever it is that he will make it better this is one of those times where i try to you know like uh, get myself a little bit serious because i don't know how emotional i'm going to get but here we go christmas for me honestly for the last 30 years has been um a very difficult time for me and my family in fact it is 30 years this year um The whole season from just after Thanksgiving to mid-January is really tough for us because it was during this time of year that my dad got sick and passed away. And it's a memory that's really always tainted the holidays. And honestly, it can be very difficult to hope for something good in a season where something traumatic happened and something terrible happened. Uh, For years, I would put mom's Christmas tree up, but personally, I wasn't into it. It just wasn't my thing. Even when I got out on my own, I had no interest in decorating for Christmas or putting up a tree or anything like that. I just didn't want to do anything extra to celebrate it because of the loss that happened at this time of year. Up until 2020 of all times, um, i just bought a new house. We were all dealing with a pandemic. I needed a little bit of hope. I needed a little bit of change. And I decided, you know what? I'm gonna get myself a Christmas tree and I'm gonna go full tilt on this. Uh, let's put up that picture up there. That is my Christmas tree. I just put it up the other day. That is my cat who surprisingly has never destroyed the Christmas tree, which is a Christmas miracle in and of itself. But yes, I decided to go full tilt with it. I bought a Christmas tree. I spent $200 in ornaments at the Hallmark store. And then I spent another 200 the next year. And then another 200 the next year and another 200 this year. I may have a little bit of a problem. We can put that other picture up. Yes, I have an entire Starfleet. Yes, I have a bunch of Transformers and Nintendo stuff. Don't make fun of me. Don't look down on me. You guys know you have your favorite Christmas decorations too. And some of those decorations might even be older than some of us here. But anyway, um, don't judge me on it. But among the ornaments and decorations that I have bought over the year, A lot of them are fun. A lot of them are just things that I love in life. But the most important one is actually not a decoration that goes on the tree, but it's what's above the rest of them. It is that nice, simple, little nativity set because it is a reminder, just like Charlie Brown discovered. All the other stuff is nice, but it's all background noise, the real important part of Christmas is the hope that comes from that little baby born in a manger into the world to save and redeem all of our stories. So for me, it's a hope, and it's a reminder that there is hope, that this will not just be a season to think of trauma, but a season to look ahead and hope that Christ will do something wonderful. And that is the second thing that we can see about Christmas, if we can put that point up. Jesus' birth gives us hope for change in our lives. We all have those places in our lives where we need Jesus to redeem our stories. We have our traumas. We have our shortcomings. We have our shame. We have our hurt. And the path to the redemption of all of those stories in our lives starts with that baby in the manger on Christmas Day. The Savior born into the world to save us and redeem us. Not just to change the big stuff. Not just to make world-shattering things. But to make earth-shattering things in our lives as well. To heal the places of brokenness and to give us hope that we may not be able to attain it on our own. It may be difficult, but through God's help, it is attainable. It is possible because nothing is impossible with God. So as we finish up today, my question for you guys is, where are you looking for God to bring that hope in your life? Is this a season where, like for me, it's just another season where hope doesn't seem possible? Or is this becoming a season where you can give into that hope and say, I have hope that though difficult, some future good will come and God will be the one to attain it in my life. And it's my prayer that this Christmas, you can rest assured that Jesus came to bring that change in your life, that he has promised healing for every single one of us here, that no matter how big or small it may seem, if it's a place of wounding in your life, Jesus came specifically for that place. He came specifically for you. And that we can have hope that no matter how difficult it may seem, that healing is not impossible. To attain with God's help, because no word from God will ever fail. So if you guys would stand with me, let's pray for this hope in our lives today.
0: Because Christmas does have intergalactic ramifications. It does. But John Stott, prolific theologian who died a few years ago, said that Jesus Just one word to describe who Jesus is. He says that Jesus has no rival in history. From ancient Mesopotamia, where Abraham was embedded, to Rome, where Caesar ruled, where Jesus was born in the darkness hovering over Bethlehem, Jesus still has no rival. There is no one in history that has more gravitas than the person of Jesus Christ. That's just a fact. So then the Adventists, the longing and deferred hope of Israel for thousands of years hoping for the coming Messiah, that drama in Advent It's about a culmination of an event. Tell someone next to you, an event. Come on, say say it to them, an event. So Christianity, the gospel is not good news because there's a hopeful message. Or you should have the spirit of optimism because humanity will become better because of the Christmas spirit. No. The gospel is an announcement of an event. Well, in 2023, what happened in Andonamene, A.D., 2023, 2,000 years ago. Christianity will destroy itself without the person of Jesus. Because Christianity is not a philosophy. Plato could exist without. Being born, his message could continue to resound. But you don't necessarily need Plato because it's a philosophy. It's a way of looking at things. Confucius, Buddha, the same thing. Jesus says, I am the truth. Not this is the truth. This is the way. He says, I am the way. I am life. So therefore, whatever you're hoping for, the story of Christmas is that our longing, the great visceral haunting of our lives, the biggest questions, the questions that matter to us the most, that longing has a name and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. So we have hope in a person, in a time and a moment in history when he came. And the Bible says he will come again. So today, will you respond to who God is in this announcement of good news, not in a thing, not in a place, Or even a possession, but in a person. The arrival of this person named Jesus, Emmanuel. Let's make this our prayer. Will you spend a moment focusing on him? A few decades ago, my mentor Leighton Ford had a conversation with Muhammad Ali at a bar when his celebrity is very high at the time. And Leighton Ford told Muhammad Ali the gospel. And Muhammad Ali said, Leighton, that's nice, and I love your brother. I love all that you're doing with making these crusades not segregated. And that's a, a right step for you guys. And I agree. But the way I understand Christianity is it's pie in the sky. I get it when I die. And I'm a black man in America, bro. I don't have time for future stuff. I need it now. And Leighton had to explain this powerful moment when he presented the gospel. He said, Jesus came and Jesus is available right now. So, my message to you today in our message of Advent the hope is here right now it's not a thing it's a person and he has already come and he has risen he has died and risen and the Bible tells us this one thing you can call upon the name of the Lord when you seek me with your whole heart you will find me if you're a seeker I say this in my book too: call upon the name of the Lord what do you have to lose the promise and the invitation is come and see, not come and believe. So whatever trauma we might be embedded in our story and the world. And as Stu told us, remember Jesus was born in the midst of trauma, right? Genocide, King Herod killing everyone one of two age one and two a mad king, just like the political realms of the world and leadership of the world crumbling around us, this peace, the prince of peace has come. So this Christmas, I pray that you look to Jesus and Jesus alone for your hope. Amen? Let's bow our heads together for the benediction. Lord, we want to thank you for the Advent season. We thank you that you are not a God that's over there, but you're Emmanuel. You are a God that's right here with us. In the midst and tethered to our struggles, our brokenness, and our frailty, And in many ways, that's why you were born in a manger representing the brokenness of our world, the disparity of our world, and moving in the neighborhood of where we really live. This gospel is not a gospel of hope, of a future. It is a now gospel. It is God with skin. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.